Hello, everyone, and welcome to Warm Tour Podcast. Episode 116. Benjamin Yoder here today to talk to you about video games. No news this week. I, I looked around on the the, the in, uh, information superhighway. I was trying to say internet and couldn't, so there we are. <laughs> um, uh, didn't really see anything that jumped out at me. Um, trying to think if there's anything at all. Like, uh, like sometimes I'll see something and be like, well, you know, that's an interesting thing, but it's not enough to really talk about, but... But yeah, I don't think I ended up saving anything over the weekend as like a as a talking point or anything like that. So, at least for me, pretty slow news week. Um, um, so, but yeah, I I I, uh, I have plenty to talk about. I actually went up to to Utah this weekend, so so that kept me kept me somewhat busy. But while I was up there, uh, I ended up getting two Game Gears. <laughs> um, my uncle had had worked on on repairing some Game Boys and Game Gears as like a side project thing. He replaced the capacitors inside because they use like the fish oil capacitors or whatever that was in there. And um, and yeah, and he he finished them and then and then really had no want or need for them, I guess. Um, he had one game, World Series Baseball 95, and, and that's about it. So I got a blue one and a black one. The black one has like a T-Rex sticker on the back. Um, but yeah, now I have two game gears for some reason. So they're over there. Those are big systems. I didn't realize how chunky those things were because I know the Atari Lynx is really big, but that's mainly because of like when they're doing market research there, people are saying they should be big. I'm not sure if that's the case with the Game Gear or not, if the actual chunkiness of it is actually like required or if they were just trying to make like a heftier system because at the time their market research showed otherwise. But they're big things. Um, I just don't know. I don't know the Game Gear's library at all. So it's one of those things where it's like, I, I don't even know where to begin looking at stuff. I know there's Sonic games on this platform. I know there's a Shinobi game, Shinobi GG or something like that. I assume GG stands for Game Gear. Um, and then, uh, I, I know World Series Baseball 95 exists, <laughs> um, so those are there, and, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll see if I can just find, like, a cheap bulk Game Gear thing just to have some sort of library for it. I did do some brief research on how to get any kind of, like, video out of that thing, um, but I didn't spend a lot of time on it, um, just because it, it's not something I'm really super interested in pursuing right now i need to check to make sure those things even work honestly they they take like six uh double a's i believe and i only have four double a's here uh that i use for wii remotes so so i might i've been meaning to buy some rechargeable double a's i had a bunch in the past but they they all kind of died off so i eventually got rid of them and i wasn't playing nearly as many wii games anymore so so i just didn't really bother getting rechargeable ones because they always kind of lost their charge so so like you you couldn't just have them on hand easily at least the ones I had uh you couldn't just have them on hand easily and uh have them ready for when you're ready to play Wii games so I just bought like a eight pack of of double a batteries and and they've lasted me a good long while I, I think I bought them when I moved out here to Vegas and that was uh three years ago or so and I'm down to the last uh the last four and they they pretty much are still are still perfectly fine um at least I haven't noticed any uh or noticed either of them complaining about power issues or anything like that um so, so at some point I might, I might go ahead and just buy some new rechargeable batteries and just see what's new in the market. Cause the last, last that I bought were that when the Wii came out. So like 2006, something like that. So 13 years ago. So I would hope rechargeable battery, battery technology has, has progressed since then. And that they, uh, are, are a little better than those old ones that I used to have. Um, so I need to go ahead and pick those up and then at that point, make sure the two game gears work. 
Um, and then maybe just pick up some games. I don't, I, again, I don't really know anything about the platform at all. So I might want to just sit there and explore and see what's, what's in there. So those are both here. Uh, and I haven't done anything with them yet. <laughs> um, um, so, so yeah, when I was driving up to, to Utah, I did play some DS games. Uh, I imported Love and Buried DS a while ago, and I put a little bit of time in there, which I when I bought it, I already knew that that thing has like a, a card scanner accessory that goes with it. But the one I bought was with, without without that, just just the game, the case itself. I think I didn't realize just like how limiting I think with not having that card scanner would be. As far as I could tell when I was playing the game, there wasn't really a way you could get, like... It's not like Pokemon Stadium where if you don't have, like, the cartridge to import your Pokemon kind of thing, they give you, like, some dummy Pokemon in in, in that place. They kind of do that, but at least for, as far as I could tell. Game's in Japanese, so I could be wrong. Um, as far as I could tell, uh, basically, they just give you, like, a default outfit, and that outfit basically has a stat set of zero, and then you just basically play the song, but... um. Yeah, I, I, I tried to spend some time with it, and I really just couldn't uh, succeed in any way, it felt like, with the without the actual cards. So I might need to do some research on it, see if there's other people who played it, and, and maybe there's some other ways to to get clothing in that game. But every time I try to do anything, it basically just... Nothing would function. I would try to scan the card, and, and nothing would happen. I mean, my thought of why it doesn't work on the Wii U might be because it's checking that GBA port for that accessory every time it launches. So maybe if a game tries to check the GBA port, it doesn't launch properly. Uh, that would make sense to me, because I don't think any of the DS games on Virtual Console had any kind of GBA functionality for the GBA slot. So so I wouldn't be surprised if they just didn't program anything for that, and it just gets hung up on there, because it's like, I don't know what to do. I'm checking the GBA slot, but I'm a Wii U, actually. <laughs> so, But I thought it was a good opportunity to go ahead and just spend some time with it. Um, silly, silly game. Uh, there's also the, the, the game was actually localized for the arcade version. And I believe there are ways to emulate that these days. So it's, if I really wanted to pursue Love and Berry, I probably could just go like the, the emulation route and then just like fake scan cards in or whatever. Um, so I spent some time on that, but not a lot, not enough to really get a feel for that game. The music in that game is really silly. <laughs> There's a song about like trying to give your di a gift to your dad, but you guys got in an argument. So you're trying to ask your mom what the the like mood of your dad is to make sure you can give the gift without <laughs> without stirring anything up. It's, it's really silly, silly music. Um, and I also played some Nintou Nintoji, uh, Nintendoji. Um, which is kind of a, it was a DSiWare Club Nintendo games as a Club Nintendo. Like if you bought enough games that year and registered them on Club Nintendo in Japan specifically, it was not available in other regions. Uh, you could, you could download this game called Nintendoji and, um, I don't know what you would call it. It's kind of like a maze game kind of thing. So you kind of walk around this maze, you, you get a deck of cards and each of these cards have like different movement numbers on them. And, uh, so you use these cards as you pull them to, to move around this map and, and get these orbs where you. You, you obtain uh, spells from them, uh, unlock the the way to the next area, or or get new cards. So you'll you'll get like sets of ten cards that refill your 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 card deck. Because I, I assume, and I have not done this yet, but I assume if you run out of cards, um, it's game over at that point. And then there's like a bunch of enemies that kind of some of them are I think are static and just kind of sit in one spot, while other ones wander around, and you want to try to avoid them. Um, at least in all the cases that I have gotten in combat with enemies, um, I have instantly died. So, so I don't know if there's like a combat mechanic to the game. You do have like a health amount, so I have like 25 HP. But as far as I can tell, I, I'm basically one-shotted at this point. 
Um, I I love the look at that game. That game has a really nice looks like a like a I don't know what you call it like a dark like like the whole thing's based around like this dude who's like a shrine person my the only word i know is shrine maiden for for the lady virgin but for a dude virgin i don't know shrine duder <laughs> um and uh and i like to look at the character a lot maybe i'm biased because i i i like like the the 100 rgb scale red color red that was like the hair color Fomars had in Fancy Star Online. Uh, I love the look of the character. It's just unfortunate that there's not really a good way for me to capture DSiWare games at this point, so I can't really do any real coverage of it right now. Um, but I had a lot of fun with it. It's one of those games that I'm just going to have to spend some time with to kind of figure out how, how it works, because you, you do have all these different spells, and as you you know as you learn the spells and what they do, I think that would be very valuable, and uh, I'm not sure how long the game is. I think there's maybe like nine to ten dungeons based off what I saw, possibly, and and it took me, uh, I probably spent a good hour on it and only got like maybe halfway through the second dungeon, um, so I think it's a pretty hefty and lengthy game. Uh, you're basically collecting some uh, Mario items, like there's a there's a Koopa shell, a Mario hat, and like a star. Um, so you're like, you know, wandering these dungeons. So maybe there's only three dungeons and then I, I misread the, the like list. Basically it looks like there's a list of dungeons is what I saw, but again, game's completely in Japanese. So I have no idea if that actually is the case. Maybe I was looking at some other list that had 10 things in it. Either way, you know, as a free DSiWare game, I really don't expect a lot out of it. Um, but yeah, I'd like to spend some more time with it. It's a great looking game. Um, and, and it's, it's not something that I, there are some like, like articles out there that wrote about it at the time, but I'd like to spend more time with it, really get invested in it at some point. Jeez, it would be great if I learned some Japanese, right? <laughs> I mean, I have that one year of Japanese that I took, but, uh, I really need to get back to that. Like, I just keep going further and further down this hole of Japanese games. And the more Japanese I know, kind of the better. Although, at the, and I've talked about this before, but, you know, as I get to, to know more Japanese, then it becomes a lot harder to relate to somebody who hasn't, like, doesn't have any Japanese knowledge. So it'd be harder to recommend something like Team Innocent. Because I'm like, I don't know how much Japanese you need to really understand this. Because I have a higher level of understanding kind of thing. So it'd be harder for me to be like, hey... This is a cool game if you don't know any Japanese kind of thing, but I probably should just learn more Japanese. I probably it probably would be more valuable. I probably could give you more information about specific games, uh, especially since I think a lot of times when I cover a game, most people aren't going out of their way to play them. It's just kind of like a nice thing to be like, hey, I didn't know anything about Castlevania 64. Cool, I guess. <laughs> like, the only thing I knew about Castlevania 64 was the angry video game nerd being upset about it. So, so having somebody explain what the game does well, kind of thing. But, but I don't think a lot of people are actually looking at Castlevania 64 and be like, I'm gonna play that kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's all I did on the in terms of playing games on on that trip. Is it, is it just like a day a day a long trip? Um, I did talk to my uncle a little bit about because he was replacing the caps on those Game Gears and Game Boys, like. Talked a little bit about soldering. Um, I I really feel like that soldering might be a valuable skill to have. Again, as I go down these nightmarish holes of of oh, I have a PCFX now, and like if I ever need to get it fixed, how do I fix it? Kind of thing. Um, um, yeah, I, I I probably should start doing some kind of soldering practice and stuff like that. It's not that big of a deal. I'm not really killing myself over it. Um, but I did spend some time uh, cracking open this uh, Interplay GameCube monitor that I had. Uh, my, my sister actually sent me a bunch of stuff. So she made like 10 boxes. So I have a, all my PS2 and... no, Well, not all of mine. Probably about like 98% of my actual video games are here now. 
Um, so, so, but there are still some PS2 games missing, but otherwise I think the majority of stuff is here at this point. And in that box included a little, uh, GameCube monitor I used to use. It's basically a little monitor that mounts on top of the GameCube and you can play your GameCube portably if you have a power source. Um, and then it also had its own like built-in battery or a little like battery component you could use with it. Although I never really used the battery at the time. It always felt like it didn't like hold much of a charge, but admittedly it's a powering a game console and a little, little LCD screen, but I powered it on and the screen didn't work. And then I powered it on again after that. And the screen even more didn't work after that. So I just kind of cracked it open. Just like, Hey, why not? Uh, and took a look inside. I was like, well, maybe I can see what's, what's going on. And there's like a little capacitor inside that blue. It looks like. Uh, at least all the gunkiness stuff that's in it had had come out. So I don't know if the board is like unsalvageable at this point, um, or or if it'd be something like I could clean off and then like theoretically solder on a new a new like capacitor. So I thought that might be like like a fun little project, but. I have started so many little projects. I have my little craft table and I have done nothing with it yet. I have a Wii DVD drive and I'm like, hey, maybe we'll, maybe we'll replace the DVD drive on this Wii. And then I'm also like, I would like to replace my GameCube's laser or something. So I think the soldering thing will hold off for now. But, you know, as we, as we, you know, get through some of the stuff that I have backed up, that's going to be more the craft table stuff. Maybe we'll start looking at soldering. The only problem being is that, uh, I was talking to my uncle about it, and he's like, you probably want some ventilation when you're soldering. So so it might not be something that ends up being streamed or something. It might be something I have to do, like, out on my porch or something to make sure that uh, I am not breathing in the fumes or something. <laughs> so I don't exactly have, like, a workspace here. I'm just in an apartment with two rooms, essentially. So so it's not exactly a, a, a great place to do some some craft work especially something that's like heating up metal and melting it and stuff like that so yeah and then uh, once i got back i played some of uh, the uh, episode ignis so I, I had been playing through the final fantasy 15 dlc finished up gladio and uh prompto last week and enjoyed enjoyed promptos a lot gladios is also really fun but it does feel kind of inconsequential uh, outside of outside of the development of the character like if you if you feel like gladio really didn't get his 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 time in the main final fantasy 15 story i still really recommend it and you know with with final fantasy 15 royal edition being so cheap uh i think all the dlc is worth it if you pick up like final fantasy 15 royal edition even if you have final fantasy 15 already it's like 15 20 bucks to get it all and the only thing you miss is episode arden for the most part so uh i haven't played episode arden yet to say if that's worth it that's like ten dollars on its own i did buy it so i have not actually played that yet but i liked ignis's a lot it's basically kind of in like three different phases actually kind of like four but uh but the first phase is kind of like a cool little open world segment where you kind of manage these different sectors of a town so there's a part in the game where where and this was like in the original 2015 relaunch of the game when it was renamed as Final Fantasy 15 um there's a part in the main game where Leviathan attacks the the city and uh the whole whole town's kind of messed up blown up and stuff there's like garbage flying everywhere and things like that and like the whirlwind of stuff and in the main game Noctis more or less just kind of goes through this in like a linear line that's like basically a, a series of hallways you walk through uh, and then some balconies and then you kind of go and just go do this thing where you fight Leviathan essentially. Um, so so Ignis's part actually takes that area that that was like you know all all crumbled up and broken up and it makes it playable. Uh, so he, he he equips like this little grapple hook from one of the, the enemies and so you can kind of grapple around the town kind of like I guess Bionic Commando like not really Bionic Commando more like a 
it's more like you just kind of grapple on and you get pulled somewhere. It's not like you're swinging around or anything like that. So you can kind of grapple on these rooftops and go around. All these grapple points are preset, so it's not like something you can manually do on your own. Uh, but there's a ton of them, so you generally can just kind of, you know, smash the grapple button and he'll automatically grapple onto things as he moves. So it's very easy to get around town and stuff like that. And he has a, has a pretty fun uh, combat system where basically... You switch between three different elements of weapons. Um, so you have like a ice weapon that's more like AOE damage, fire damage, or fire weapon that's more like, you know, dealing a lot of damage to a single target, and then a lightning weapon that kind of dashes the character around and also marks them. And then once they've been marked, you can basically do this like uh, lightning shock on them using like the special meter. Uh, you can also use a special meter for ice attacks for more damage with AOE and fire attacks for more damage on single targets, but, uh, but uh, it's it's it, it plays pretty well. You basically just switch between the elements, but it is it is a lot more close. This like unlike Prompto, which had a a like shooting mechanic put, mechanic put on top of it, it it plays a lot more just like the main game where you just kind of hold the attack button and Ignis more or less just kind of does the stuff. <laughs> um, um, so you so a lot of times like if an enemy's far away, you don't even have to like sit there and move towards them. You just switch to lightning, and he just kind of and then hold down the attack button, and he'll just kind of take over and do whatever. Um, but it's still fun like managing those different states and different elements. And uh, that part of the game is is neat. Uh, it's about forty five minutes long, I'd say to 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 destroy all or to kind of save all the districts and also do the main quest. I think if you just go do the main quest, unless they lock you out of doing the main quest until the districts are managed, you could probably blast through that section of the game in like 10, 15 minutes. Um, uh, but it's fun. I I, I like it a lot. It's, it's just very nice to traverse that way. And then you have like a second part of the game, which is more of just like a uh, on rails kind of linear go around and fight with this other character with you. And then the third part of the game, I think is just like a series of boss battles. If I recall correctly, I played it literally today. So it's a little weird that I can't quite remember the structure of it, but I think the third chapter is fairly short of just like, here's some boss battles. I think you like ride a boat at some point, but it's more or less just a, a cutscene. Uh, it's not like you're actually driving the boat. You, you kind of are driving the boat, but it's, it's nothing, nothing important. It's not like impromptos where you get like a, a, a snow speeder that you can kind of ride around the area and you more or less just go straight to the objective. Um, so, so I like that a lot. And then what was kind of weird. So it basically, this, this, this chapter basically fills in a specific time in the plot. If you played through Final Fantasy 15, you'll know exactly where it fills, fills in. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because there's some pretty significant spoiler stuff surrounded about what it fills in. Uh, but was, what was interesting is like, this is when this fight happens, it's kind of a turning point in the game where things kind of go bad to some extent. Um, you, you kind of lose some stuff. Like it's not, it's, it's a bad situation for, for all these characters for various reasons. Um, and, and so they have something called the extra verse that after you beat the game, you can do this. There's basically a part in the game where it's like, Hey, you can make a decision, but if you play it on, on normal, uh, uh, or if you play the, the when you're first playing the story of episode Ignis, um, you, you basically only have one choice. They won't let you choose the other decision. And it basically plays out like it would play out in the main story. But then there's another option in this extraverse mo mode where you can choose to go another path. And so my impression was that like, oh, this is like a bad ending. So it's basically, uh, you know, Ignis makes a decision and, and what this decision does kind of changes the tides of of where the story goes or at least like the the the, the 
what happens next in the story. Um, so in this case, it goes to another area where you kind of, kind of fight through there, but it's mostly just kind of dialogue. You, there's some fighting there. Um, but then you get like an extra boss fight there. And the impression I was getting from this boss fight is that this was going to end bad. Like it's going to bad, end bad for Ignis. And, you know, essentially, essentially this would be the bad end of, of his story. If you, if you made this decision. Um, but surprisingly, it actually like creates a better like future for that game like like it's a it's an alternate timeline but it actually kind of changes what happens in Final Fantasy 15 and I'm gonna guess that this isn't the canon part of the story that would be my expectation because it is extra it's like an extra chapter but it actually shows a lot of the stuff that happens later in the game and and you you kind of find out that like this decision that Ignis makes you know if you do this other decision that initially doesn't even really seem that bad. If if anything, it might seem like the smarter decision at the time. Um, he more or less just like it changes some of the the impact that that sequence of the game has, and I would say for the better in terms of you know Noctis and his party. Like they basically lose less stuff. I don't want to get in too much detail of what ha- what exactly, um, but basically you know, they lose less. It's a better outcome for them. Um, I will say that even though it's a better outcome, I kind of like the commitment to to characters experiencing loss in games. Um, it was something that I, I struggled with with some games where it's like, oh, you, the, the main story is built around how this game ends, but but if you 100% the game, we're gonna we're gonna do something that basically you know, make sure none of that actually comes true. <laughs> um, um, I, I'm trying to think of, like, it's hard because I can't really, I don't really want to spoil anything for, for 15 or for, for the other game I'm thinking of. Um, but I kind of wish sometimes that developers would have, would commit to like this, this game ends bad. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of games that do do this, but, but I, I wish the, the developers maybe less, less, were less likely to, to, leave that caveat of like hey this game ended bad or did it kind of thing like don't don't do that this game ended bad and it's okay if it ends not bad but but in a in a bad situation like like it makes it for a satisfying ending but maybe not the best outcome given what the you know the characters were hoping for kind of thing so i really enjoy the dlc for that game and i i, I highly recommend if you play final fantasy 15 um play play those extra those extra episodes especially if you like the back half of final fantasy 15 i really don't care that much about the open world stuff i i know why it's it's required to build the the vibe of that game like the whole road trip vibe or at least it seems required maybe a developer would be able to do it in a different different context and be better um but I understand why the open world part of that game exists. But the back half of the game, the linear storytelling, like these set pieces, uh, the DLC, you know, does what I think is a smarter approach to even the open world stuff where it's like, we're going to give you these linear set pieces and then we're going to give you these little pockets to play around when there's there's like impromptus one. There's like a bunch of these side quests you can kind of do. I didn't really find them that interesting. Uh, admittedly, they're DLC stuff, so maybe in a main game, like I always think of like Deus Ex, the original one, uh, where it's just like we're gonna put you in this pocket of an area, and there's a ton of stuff to do in this area. There's a ton of different outcomes you can have, and and a ton of different side quests with a bunch of different stories. And I'm and you know that area is like very open for you to kind of go around and explore, but the main plot is very linear. I like that kind of design. Um, 
And Final Fantasy XV doesn't exactly do that, but it does kind of remind me of that. Um, I'm there's an interview out there about how they basically wanted to keep making the game how they were when it was open world, um, but they they didn't have the money to finish doing that. And the more I think about it, the more I'm kind of glad they didn't have the money to finish doing it because I think I prefer what it ended up becoming because of the budget cuts. Um, and I really, you know, admittedly, I'm somebody who's not a big fan of open world games in general. So so maybe that's just my own bias coming through there, but. But I, I really hope with the next, you know, Final Fantasy 16 or something that they don't aim to, you know, to accomplish what they set out to do with Final Fantasy 15 initially of the open world. I hope they I hope they stay more focused. And like I said, you can have open world aspects, but but keep it like a linear story and like maybe, you know, have the open world parts be these like bubbles of open world. I, I like that better, at least personally. I know people like open world games. <laughs> I just I just am not a huge fan of them usually. So. So yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. Uh, coming up this week, Windy X Wyndham Quick Play. That will go up on, I think Wednesdays are when the Quick Plays go up. So that will go up on Wednesday. Uh, that's a, that is a fighting game on the DS for sure. Uh, it's, it's not very good, but I, I don't really know a lot of people who know what Windy X Wyndham is. So if you don't know what it is, maybe check it out and you can see there's some, oh, man, there's some interesting things about Windy X Wyndham, but they're, they're not delivered on at all. Um, but visually, the game actually looks pretty nice. It's a, it's a nice-looking DS game. Uh, it's by Ninja Studios. He did uh, Izuna, the Unemployed Ninja. Uh, a couple of other games as well. I, I forget the other game's name, but they, they died off like in 2010 or something like that, unfortunately. Maybe. I, I really don't know. I don't... If Windy X Windham is representative of the quality of the stuff they're putting out, <laughs> maybe maybe it's expected they, they, they no longer are around. I remember people liking Izuna, the Unemployed Ninja, so... That goes up on Wednesday. If you want to know about another fighting game that's a lot more uh, uh, better, <laughs> uh, that may not be you know as as well known. Hunex Fighter Night or ninety eight video went up last week, so please go ahead and check that out if you haven't. It's 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 kind of an interesting video because it's not just a review of Hunex Fighters ninety eight, and it has to not be that because Hunex Fighters ninety eight is a mini game within a visual novel. It's not a full game. Um, but, but I get to talk about, you know, the PCFX a little bit, Hunex themselves a little bit and, and the game itself. And then also get to do a version comparison because there's actually two versions of Hunex Fighters 98 you play, one on PCFX, one on Windows. So, so it's kind of a, a different video. It's, it, the pacing's a little different. So, so I hope you enjoy that. And if you actually want to play Hunex Fighters 98, there's a post on the website, uh, onecontrolreport.com. You should see in the articles and research section, um, so, so that is, uh, up there. And basically I give you, I, I detail three different ways to play the game. You can either, uh, you know, I give a guide on how to access it on real hardware, or if you're not using real hardware, um, <laughs> you can also follow that guide as well. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I provided a safe state for Metafen, I think is what the emulator calls. I should figure out how to say Metafen because I keep referencing it and then cannot say it. Uh, I made a safe state for Metafen. So, so if you want to just boot, boot it up and throw it in, in up in that emulator and, you know, use whatever you're going to use for your ROM and stuff or ISO, whatever, uh, you can just drop that save file in and you'll have it unlocked and, uh, and you'll be able to play Unix fighter 98 essentially immediately. And, uh, setting up a PCFX via emulator is a little, it's not complicated. It just takes a little more effort than just downloading this thing and then plugging the ROM in kind of thing, uh, or the IQ file or whatever it is for, for discs. Um, and then also I, I have some, some basic resources for, for accessing it on PC, uh, I didn't want to get too in detail of that because the process was actually fairly complicated. Uh, the resources are out there. You just have to 
take some time to do it. I'm going to guess most people will not want to play with Unix, Niner, Unix Fighters 98 on Windows unless they just already happen to have a retro PC with a Windows 95 or 98 uh, OS on it. So, so yeah, and then the Tales of the Tempest stream is going on right now as well. So, so I think the second stream for that is up on the website. Uh, but the third, third part will be on Thursday, 7 p.m. Pacific time. So please check that out if you want to. It's just me playing some uh, Tales of the Tempest. That game has some, like, D- I shouldn't be surprised. It's an early DS game. It has, like, sliding block puzzles and stuff. I'm like, great, my favorite. <laughs> I really hate sliding box puzzles, but we got past that. And, uh, yeah, the game's running pretty well so far. Windy X Wyndham has a little bit of graphical issues on the, running on a Wii U, but Tales of the Tempest has been mostly fine, with the exception of, um, there's, like, these little emotion bubbles that pop up, and they, they kind of show up for a second and disappear really quickly. I don't think that is normal. I'll have to double check my physical copy here and run it on real hardware and see what happens, but I'm going to guess that's not how that's supposed to actually work, and so it's just kind of bugging out, but glad that we're finally using my Wii U for some DS stuff so I can actually justify <laughs> the money and time I put into it, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll hopefully we'll keep using it more. I think we'll be using some 3DS stuff here in the near future as well, possibly, but all that stuff will be, uh, for 3DS, all that will be offline because actually recording that stuff via during a stream or actually streaming that stuff is not possible with my current setup so i'll do more research on that and see if i can figure that out um but yeah that's it for this week thanks for coming one control is the website i hope you have a great week bye